0: I'm Charlie Taylor
1: I'm Ben Carter I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture
0: And I am director of The Fifth Element Where I highlight the fifth element hip-hop Which is knowledge Super Nintendo Sega Genesis 58 episodes could have picture this It's the <laughs> <indigenous>. <laughs>
1: not bad
0: at all. That's calm. That's calm. I just kept I'm just kept it simple on that one. Just wanted just wanted to keep it a bit simple, you know what I mean? Just like I actually um, there's a just as a as a side note to that, I was like uh, there was a tweet that I saw recently. Uh, it was like uh, if you put like a lyric on your shirt, you know how people do those? Mm. What's the shortest you can do? What's the shortest lyric you can do or just like a few words that you can do? Um and put it on a shirt, and people will know exactly what it is kind of thing. The the closest I've gotten is "I bomb Atomically, so that's, that's three words. I reckon... And Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis is four. Can you get I any reckon... further than that? Can you get any, like, is there two? Is there two What's... worders?
1: I think the end of TakeOver, you only get half a bar. But that's, you only get half, that's five, mm. or you are I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Maybe you could just put on, he'd never testify. Because you know, as soon as you see that, you know that's from De Evils by Hov. It's like, even if Jehovah Witness, man, he'd never testify. I don't know, that's hard, but that's a good, that's a good point. That's, or, that's difficult or, or,
0: or, to know. Out of, that, out of that particular song, I'd say, so I fed her 50s.
1: Yeah, yeah. She said the taste of dollars was shitty, so I fed her 50s. Till the shit started to make I'd sense. I'd say, so I fed her 50s. I reckon It, oh, like, man, it would be an jam. iconic that's a, that's a It would be an iconic song that was just Identified by like two words or something Like maybe you could just put yeah. Fuck Jay-Z on, on a shirt And everyone would know it was a eco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cock Nation If you just put
1: If you put If you put Records on a shirt Cockerfella Records <laughs> That's the one
0: that's the one I was thinking of. I got mixed up. That's Chris. Cockapela. Uh,
1: oh, Naz, what were you doing? All right, let's Nas. <laughs> What were you doing, Naz? <laughs> huh? oh, let's move swiftly on. Let's move swiftly on.
0: Uh, okay. Hi, uh, Ben. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week?
1: Uh, well, I needed a laugh, man. So I appreciate that. Um... I got, I, got you, fam, I, got <laughs> I got into a little bit this week. I got you, fam. I got you. I got into a little bit this week. Let me start off with a new song by Dax, which is called Joker. I don't normally do just songs, but really love this song, man. I want to shout him out heavily. I know he gets a lot of hate on the internet, but I just don't understand why. I feel like he's very raw and unfiltered on the mic, which I really respect. Joker's about cyberbullying and the hate that he receives online. I connected with it pretty heavily. As an MC, I feel like his technical ability is dazzling. Um, I think he's around strange music. I don't know, I haven't Googled that, I really should, but he just has that vibe about him. His cadence and tone conveys emotion really, really powerfully and I feel every bar he raps on, especially on this this song. And the content really does describe how it feels to be under attack from just random people on the internet, you know? and their sole purpose seems to be using social media to disrupt your mental health and Dax seemed a little hesitant in the song to say that these people are affecting him maybe he's trying to avoid giving them that power but i understand it it does hurt it really it really does and it does affect your mental health and you know we all have power as humans and our words and actions carry weight and uh, I think this song really exemplified that fact that even if you don't really understand or don't really think you're doing much damage, you might be. And, and for, you know, recording artists, everyone gets hate, like all these people. You know, Lil Uzi Vert gets hate. Playboy Cardi's getting hate. Like everyone gets hate. Um, so I thought that was a good song. I really enjoyed that song. So if you haven't ever listened to Dax, uh, it's a pretty good start to get into him. Uh, Descendants of Cain by Carr the first car album that i've ever spun much to the chagrin of my followers who have been trying to put me onto car for years and i know why because this song is sorry this album is just fucking lyrical man it's really lyrical like when rock marciano pops up on the ninth track i was just jolted out of like a meditative state because over these really sparse kind of open plan beats car settles into this groove and he doesn't really deviate from it vocally, like with his vocal tone or his flow, but and li- even lyrically. But it's like listening to a freight train read poetry. It's unbelievable. Like the intricacy of his content reminded me why I really like top tier writing in hip hop. You know, like sitting down with this album is like sitting down with a really good book, and I was really engaged the whole way through. I couldn't put it down. So I've been sleeping too long on Car Man. This this is a good album. Uh Lil Dirk, Just Cause You're Waited 2. Love this album by Lil Dirk. I won't speak too long on it, but uh definitely check that out. Um I really feel like Lil Dirk is at the top of this kind of urgent, emotion-based, auto-tuned subgenre of hip hop alongside Little Baby and A-Boogie. Uh just a great a great project. Deep content, affecting lyrics, good storytelling. It's a bit like watching a movie, that that album uh let's see what we got here excuse me i had a dream last night they got arrested for coughing and i've woken up coughing so that's obviously something going on in my subconscious uh young thug and chris brown slime and b this definitely got a pass mark for me it's a decent project putting these two together i felt was definitely a stroke of genius it's pretty much guaranteed they're not going to drop a mid or a poor project they're just too good individually you know and Chris Brown just remains underrated somehow. I don't know. I don't know if people don't realize his genius. They choose to ignore it, maybe. Or like me, for so many years, I didn't listen to him because of his uh, history with Rihanna. I guess once she like she forgave him, I kind of felt, oh, okay, maybe I should start listening to him again if, if she's forgiven him. But um, he's a genius. He's a gen- like a genuine musical genius. I felt like Young Doug phoned most of his performance in. He said that he recorded all his verses in one day, and it genuinely shows. Like, they're not bad, but Chris Brown carries this project quality-wise. He's the heartbeat of it. It's solid. Uh, I think if it was two other artists, it would be outstanding, but it's because these two are such quality that I was a bit disappointed, but uh, I think it'll be forgotten in a few weeks, which is a bit of a pity because I think the collab had really big potential. Um, E40, Curb commentator, Channel One. This is a rare miss from E40. Really rare miss. Five track EP. And if you drop five tracks, they gotta be heat. You need five tracks of heat and these aren't. Go up, uh, sorry, go and up or down. Go is the first track. That's a really weird track. I like it a lot. 40 uh, pops up on these weird beats and instrumentals and he gets into these weird cadences and pockets and I love that about him. Up or down is just standard Bay Area slap with whiz. That's great. The beats are insane on those two. But then after that, I mean, E40 always has some mid on his albums because he drops like three in a day, and they're all 20 tracks. So there's 60 songs in one day. There's going to be some mid. But I feel like the last three songs on this EP were just of that mid quality, like generic beats. And even E40 couldn't save it with his lyricism and his flow. It felt like he sounded a bit uninspired. So that was a little bit disappointing for me. Uh, I had Little Sims below that, though. Now Charlie's gonna jump through the freaking computer at me, and he might swim across the Indian Ocean to punch me in the nose. (laughs) But I, I, I don't know. Like this is why I feel like I, I didn't like this project. I think the beats led her down the wrong path because it sounds to me like she wrote her bars and flows, and each song to the beat bespoke. Like, these weren't just, I've written a verse, now let's put a beat behind it, or etc etc She had the beats, and she wrote the songs to that. And I felt like the beats were too generic. They were just generic loops. And if you're going to match the beat and do that, you need some cinematic beats uh, into your headphones and then to, like, actually inspire you to create something that, little let's face it, Little Sims can do because she's the best UK rapper, probably, like, bar for bar, and she could take on pretty much any... American rapper as well, and best them, like her pen game is super sharp, so I was a little bit disappointed by this, I I was expecting a little bit more, and she just sounded a little bit uninspired as well on this, I'm not really sure why, maybe that's the reason, maybe the beats is the reason, maybe I'm missing something, I don't know, maybe Charlie will listen to this, and he can explain it to us, um, finally, it was not the worst album of the week, because that illustrious honor goes to nav with good intentions now i'm sure he had the best of intentions when he sat down when he sat down and said i'm i had a number one album with bad habits you know what i'm gonna make an even better project i'm gonna sit i'm gonna really lock in for this you know and i tweeted out just before it dropped i'm like look guys i know nav gets a lot of hate but come on man I'm excited like this could be this could be a heater could be a real heater oh my days it is not it is not it's bad it's laughably bad it's almost as if nav intentionally set out to create something that made mid look like everest he has zero presence on the microphone it might as well be siri rapping dead set like his lyrical content is so generic he's just all he says is i triumph despite my haters I take a lot of drugs, I have sex with groupies a lot, and I make a lot of money. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. He occasionally tries to switch his flow up, but that's even worse, because he just can't do it, like he sounds like an amateur. The only song on which a different flow actually sounds good is Turks, and I think, uh, who was on that, Travis and Gunnar, I think were on that, um... It's he must have mimicked one of their flows, and he's just managed to pull something off there. That was that was a fluke. The rest of it was, yeah, man. I, I don't know. He began his career as a producer, and uh, you know, one of his first major pr- placements was back to back by Drake, which is huge, of course. But I just I don't see the appeal of him as a rapper, and I I've really tried. I I genuinely I haven't come in here just to hate. I really freaking tried, and I don't understand. The beats, the beats don't aren't even good on this project. They're just generic. Like I put on, um, because he has a track with Future on here, so I put I Serve the Bass onto my uh, Hip Hop Numbers Weekly playlist to open it up, and then I put the Nav track on after that. Bro, the beat sounds like he's playing it on a fucking xylophone. It's just like it's just like Fisher Paykel shit. I'm like, what are you? What the fuck? I don't know, man. It was just so disappointing. So, I think that could genuinely be one of the worst albums this year. In perpetuity, I don't think anyone's gonna beat this for bad albums. I listen to so much underground shit too. This sounded like an amateur album. That's how I feel about it. I, I didn't enjoy that. Anyway, that's myself. I ended with some hate. I'm sorry. What about yourself, Charlie?
0: <laughs> you forgot about the one thing that Nav is known for, man. Brown boys achieving, man. Brown oh, boys yeah, growing up, fam. Huh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I, there is a song. There is. Forget about the brown,
0: brown boy agenda. How can you forget? How can you forget the brown boy agenda? Shout out <laughs> now for no All no. Right, shout so out yes, now for I being successful. Week, bit. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, I mean, yeah, finessing finessing a whole career of you know one major placement. I mean, you know, I can't really, I can't, I can't shit on that. You know, what I mean. So instead, I'll just not nah, listen. Not so That's fine. And we all live together in harmony. Um, yeah, so I start the week inevitably with little Sims drop six. Um, okay, so as a go. person that has listened to the other drops, um, which I highly 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 advise you guys to listen to because I will, there are so many gems on on those. You, you you would be you you would be like I get it, Charlie. I get it. I understand why she is one of the best right now. Uh, it, you know what I mean? It's just like grey area is not it's just a surface, fam. <laughs> like surface area. Like funny enough, not to be a uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, you know, it's the the drops the drop she had in uh, in you know the. Uh, last decade was just um, there, there's some super clean shit on there, and there's some good features as well. And actually, great, uh, uh great, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, interpolations of other songs. Like, uh, uh my sister was playing a Rolling Stones song, uh, forget what it's called, uh, but y- 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 you'd know if you heard it, and um. As it as it so happens, one of my favourite songs on <laughs> Sims' uh, problems is uh, it just it's just samples that Rolling Stones track, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> there you go then. Oh, cool. So she does that, she has those kind of things uh, in in her previous catalog. But as it pertains to this drop six, yes, it is kind of um, I, I will I will say beat wise is not uh, her best um, compared to the other drops, which I I guess I will. Um, they have much more atmosphere. Uh, much more just command, um, along with her, you know, performances. Uh, in terms of this, I find it very, uh, you know, it's it's definitely meditative as it pertains to her lyrical output. Um, in terms of what she's talking about, um, there's a lot of reflection there, which I appreciate. Uh, but yeah, as it pertains to the beats themselves, it was yeah, it was it was it's it very middling um, and very, uh, I don't want to say bare bones, but yeah, so there's not much meat there. Uh, to, to to chew on. So, uh, but yeah, uh, lyrically uh, she's still she's still up there in terms of this particular uh, particular EP. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the the beat the beast kind of layer down. But regardless of that, shout out to Little Sims, uh, Tony Bones, the producer, Mood EP. Um, Tony Bones, one third of uh, one of my favorite groups right now, Jungle Brown. You know, I've, I've said I've said their names plenty of times. Interviewed Rick Flow a couple of weeks ago. Go peep there on What's good. Uh, you know, you know what to do. Um, but yeah, Tony Burns comes in with a little, uh, little EP, little care package, and uh, yeah, man, there's some clean, clean hip hop beats on here. Uh, just super smooth. I was just walking the dog to it, and uh, man, it was just, it's just such a clean listen. Real, really enjoyed it. Uh, in the same, in the same vein as uh, Phonix's uh, album from a f- from a few months back. Don't remember, guys, remember that uh, when I talked about that one. But um, yeah, in a similar vein of that, just very chill. Uh, very calm hip hop beats, and I, I just could not complain. And there were some, and he did have some, uh, I guess, uh, vocal uh, uh, performances, in a couple of them which are which are very half decent. So yeah, man, it's a solid EP. Shout out to Tony Bones, uh, my boy X V, back with another mm. one, Crisis on wow. Infinity. Uh, okay. This one was, this one, this one's very odd to me, right? Because um, you know the thing, the thing f- for me with X V, and I really hope. Out of all the times I have tried to get X-V's t- attention, <laughs> whether it be on this show or on anything else, right? If this is the one where I tag him and he and he listens to this one, please do not take this <laughs> the wrong way. But from on one track, it sounded bare like the Lucas. And on another track, and there's only three tracks on here, right? So on one track, he sounds a bit like the Lucas, which, you know, I'm not hating on. But he doesn't sound like X V. He sounds like John Lucas. Um, and on another track, he sounded like something else, but I, f- I forget the I forget the uh, comparison I had in my head. But yeah, it was um it was just odd. It, it, it was just a, it was just an odd feeling. And when I was listening to these tracks, I was just like, huh, he's 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 X V in, but he's I don't know, it's it's it's, it's different somehow. Um, and one track he sounds like uh, John Lucas. On the other one, uh, he's talking about Gucci, and I'm just like, hmm. That's, that's not your lane, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not saying you can't ever go there. You know, what I mean, he can't never flex. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just odd. It just felt out of place. Um, but yeah, you know, XV still my boy. Don't worry about Should it. Should I not tag him? Uh, in Because if I tag, speaking him, he of might, people, he might actually. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him regardless. Because I'm gonna tag him regardless. Because I want I want him to know. That he's my boy uh, <laughs> since 2014. Okay, he needs to know. He needs right, to know. Shout we'll Xv. We'll but uh, these three, these three tracks. Well, two of these, two of these three tracks weren't it. But I'm not. But that's it. That's it to me. Um, you know, the the past work, the Parker work he's done. Gods Among Us rated it. Uh, the one he did, uh, you know, at, at the end of last year, solid. And the uh, the the uh, Back dad hat album from last year, solid. Okay, just want Xv to know that. Anyway. But that was not the only artist that has been dropping constantly. That has dropped once again. Rick Wilson and my boy Terrace Mayan. He's back with another one. They call me Disco with an EP. This is probably um, one of my favorite EPs of the year, just hands down. I think and that's, that's saying something considering how many EPs I've listened to this freaking year. Um, this is absolutely sublime. I've, I've played. I spun this all, all weekend. Uh, it's just super. Uh, they got BJ's Cargo Kill on here. They got Malaya on here. Um, Rick Wilson's pretty clean, but it's Terrace Minds music on here, man. It's just so just. I don't want to say funky because it's not funk, but it's just super soulful. Uh, just gets you bouncing, just gets you feeling feeling nice. It's just a it's just a great vibe. Um, only Terrace Mike can do. So yeah, man. They call me Disco Shout out to them. Uh, you two course to terrorist Mine, absolutely bossing it. Um, And then we get into three albums I've actually uh, really rated in some way or another. Um, Shabaka and The Ancestors, we are sent here by History. Um, So this is a solid uh, jazz album. Um, Shabaka is, uh, I think, a, a jazz artist here from the UK. And the ancestors are uh, are basically an ensemble from uh, South Africa, and this and the fact that this dropped during lockdown is just super poignant because the whole album is just like, if you want to, if you want to evolve, stuff has to be burnt down, kind of thing. You know, what I mean, it has very. It has very uh it has that ghost poet urgency. Obviously we talked about him last week, um, you know, and that kind of public enemy burn, Hollywood burn kind of kind of feel. But this whole album just goes through a roller coaster of emotions. It's like there's a height of anger, there's like n- near the end there's like a vulnerability to it and uh yeah, yeah, man, it's just a real it's just a real examination of just uh you know trying to assess how we are living right now and uh and you know if you want to evolve you need to break some shit down basically you know what i mean you can't make an omnip without breaking a few eggs kind of a uh, kind of thing and uh you know as music goes it's just a uh, super solid it's um It's got great uh, African inflections throughout, but it's solidly a jazz album, so shout out to them. That's that's definitely an album contender for the year, honestly. It's it's a super, super great album. Uh, I did also, just like you, listen to Card, Sense of Cain, and also like you, first time I've actually listened to Card for the first time. And uh, this is incredibly bleak. (laughs) Um, uh, Not in, like, the... Well, actually, probably more so in the ghost poet sense, but not in, like, I guess, lyrical content. Uh, but, yeah, the the beats themselves are just, like... They, they, do not, they do not let up. It's just, like... They just have, like... They add, like, instrumentation that you don't hear anywhere else, you know, like in a normal, you know, track of any type of music these days, and it just sounds eerie. It's just a really odd listen. And, um... Yeah, I feel like it's an album that definitely deserves, um, like a good book, like you said, a few listens. Um, I've only listened to it once, and I didn't get any of it <laughs> in terms of what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's definitely worth um, a deeper dive because there are some, because I I can tell um, there are some, you know, genuine messaging in here, and uh, just and obviously from the Cain and Abel um, sampling as well throughout. Um, and also that rock Marcy, uh, actually that rock, funny enough, that rock Marcy feature was the most refreshing thing out of it. <laughs> just like, Oh, thank you. Someone else <laughs> mm-hmm. just, just, uh, like he it didn't, it, it's not like he lightened up the mood, but it was just like, Oh good. Another something to just, um, to just live with, <laughs> to just, uh, you know, live with, I guess. Um, and, uh, lastly, uh, J-Mo Gang, uh, which is a, a trio of Raskas, uh, J57, and El Gant, uh, Walking With Lions. Uh, this is a super entertaining uh, album. Like, it's, it's so entertaining. I, I, I adore this album. Um, there's a little skit uh, in the middle. Uh, I think it's called little Snitch. And uh, the, du- the dude they're, you know, painting a picture of is like, a, you know, auto-crooning, auto-tune dude... Um, little snitch, you know, in the in Takashi the conversation we've we obviously all been having recently. It's kind of like that kind of thing. It's a super funny skit, and uh, he does pop up throughout. Uh, that basically, them three are trying to get, like, a feature of him and trying to be around him kind of thing. It's just super funny. Um, but funny enough, uh, it starts off very uh, Prophets of ragey, um, you know, sort of aggro bars, um, and very rock-influenced. Um, but once it, once it gets deeper into it, I actually get a few songs that sound, funny enough I just mentioned XV, but it really sounded like XV, uh, atmosphere, um, you know, just uh, I, can't, I can't explain it, but like the atmosphere, um, in the beats themselves and, uh, and the, just the overall aura of it, it's just, uh, yeah, it just really reminded me of XV for some reason, but, um yeah but apart from that it's just a you know a super clean album the bars apps, like you can you could just definitely use some quotables in there and uh yeah so shout to Jmo gang uh i i it, it sounds weird for me to say J-Mo, cuz in my i see the word j a m o and i'm like jamo but i have to say J-Mo, cuz that's how they say it but anyway we shall continue on to the topic of this episode which is a retrospective. How, how have we gone nearly 60 episodes deep and haven't done hmm. a Biggie retrospective is uh, kind of mind-blowing to me because I suggested it earlier in the week and I was just like, wait, have we not done it yet? <laughs> we haven't done Biggie yet. Let's do Biggie. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, we all know. Well, uh, there, uh, is, there, is there a more ubiquitous name in hip-hop apart from maybe Tupac than the Taurus B.I.G.? That's a genuine question, you know what I mean? Like, is there more ubiquitous name in hip-hop music than the Notorious B.I.G.?
1: I don't think so. I, I can't think of anyone. I think he... Yeah. I mean, ha- who else could you say?
0: Yeah, maybe Tupac and that's about it. Like, honestly. Honestly maybe I mean, jay-z he's, i guess he's,
1: i mean jay-z maybe but his, but biggie's presence and and tupac's presence always uh, watch over everything you know and i don't want to get too existential or mm. too spiritual about it i just mean their memory and and who they were as as rappers and their influence on the game is just everywhere it's always there and uh i think it's more overt than artists like rakim who have obviously big daddy kane who had harris one who had a lot of influence it's like because they were both taken so soon and it was so publicized and it was just so graphic and so traumatic to see these two artists lose their life so young. They're always mm. going to be, you know, emotional touch points in hip-hop. They're always going to loom very large over everything that happens in hip-hop. You know, you hear people c- comparing themselves to those two artists all the time. And, uh, yeah, Biggie, Biggie, Tupac together, you know, it's they're just the two greatest in terms of uh I guess that everyone knows them. Everyone knows them around the world. Like you don't have to know anything about hip hop. You know about those two, you know.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah man. It's it's a it's a it's a it's it's something that, you know, obviously we can it has been talked about to death. Um no pun intended. Um but it is always just worth saying that like you know these two are intertwined and that's just how it is um i don't i don't i don't i don't like to you know obviously you know uh, re- uh, not not in recent years i think the recent you know uh, conversation has finally shifted to something more uh, uh palatable but you know, all through the 2000s and throughout at least half of last decade, it was like you know, oh, who do you like better, Biggie or Tupac? Who's yeah. better? Who's better? You know, what I mean, it's just like, but they're not comparable. They're they're two different no. people. And no. I don't no. want to make it. I don't want to make this uh, obviously a Biggie Tupac episode. And we're not here for that. But we're just here for Biggie. But I just wanted to, you know, just foundationalize it. And that's not a word, but still, um, of just you know. These two are inseparable, obviously for obvious reasons, which we'll probably touch on, but we'd like to obviously uh, get into more of the music side just for, just for you know, that's the point of the podcast. But, you know, yes, it'd be pretty weird if we didn't say anything about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wrote down here that we can all agree that Notorious Big did the most in the shortest space of time. Like, I can't think, you know, Little Wayne did a lot from 06 to 09 And if that were his entire career, he would have gone out similarly to to Biggie. But, I mean, Biggie, 94 to 97, like, three years. And he just changed the entire game, you know? And that was was his debut. Like, that was 10 years into Wayne's career. Biggie came out the gate, spitting at the pinnacle of the game, changing the way hip-hop sounded and the very Mm. way artists rhymed, you know? So... I'll give some background on, on Notorious Big just so people can understand what happened pre-1994. He was a bit of a superstar at middle school. He won awards for English, um, which is not really surprising to me. You know, His command of the language is absolutely top tier. Unlike Big Pun, Biggie was already quite overweight in his pre-teens, and that's where he picked up the name Big, um, and he, he started selling drugs young. Like he was 13. He said that he was what, in his own words, he was watching a Dan Rather TV special on crack when he was 13. And that convinced that that was his calling. He was kind of seduced by the money that he could make on the street. And uh, he switched schools during his mid teens and he ended up being at one of the greatest schools of all time. I forget the name of it. But Jay Z, Buster Rhymes, and DMX all went to the same school. Of course, you know, they, they didn't go very often. Uh, Biggie was attending sporadically, Jay Z attending sporadically. Really? One hundred percent
0: attendance? So.
1: no! Yeah, surprising, eh? So so surprising, you know. Um, but yeah, they didn't go very often because they were both selling selling drugs. Uh, Biggie was no different, you know. To to DMX even like DMX was in trouble with the law constantly. Biggie was in trouble with the law. He said um, in his own words again, "I can go out here for twenty minutes and get some real paper. I didn't want no job. I want to work. In, I didn't want to work in a barbershop. I didn't want to work in a restaurant. I wanted to sell drugs. I wanted to chop up keys, bag up work, and get paid. That's the only thing I thought I was ever going to do. Now, he was arrested in 1990. He spent nine months in jail off that, and he never went back seriously. Um, He began rapping in his early teens, and apparently one of his friends, Sam Hubert, his name is, said that uh, they were trying to get studio time as early as 13 years old, and Biggie was taking it seriously Mm. from a really young age. He came across a jazz saxophonist called Donald Har- Harrison who said that Biggie was really eager to learn about music and Biggie learned about a lot about rapping and cadence from him about how to scat and that was kind of where he developed his speed and agility on the mic it was with a jazz background which is very interesting to me I'll speak on Biggie's technique in a little bit but that was that doesn't that makes a lot of sense to me um, mm. but you know he kind of got lost in the street for a while but he, it was Unsigned Hype, man, Unsigned Hype in the source that uh, got Biggie on. Like he was, he was, I think he released a demo tape and then he popped up in Unsigned saw, unsigned Hype and Diddy heard him and signed him to Uptown, but then Diddy was fired from Uptown and he refocused. So Diddy already had bad boy records uh, while he was at Uptown and I'm not sure who came first, Biggie or Mace. I'm not really sure who, uh, sorry, was it Mace or Craig Mack? It might have been Craig Mack. Um, who was signed yeah, first craig mac yeah craig Mack, yeah sorry not mace uh, i can't find any information on that but there was they seem to have been sa- signed around the same time and then when diddy left uptown bro diddy and biggie are now inseparable in historic evaluations of hip hop they are inseparable that the mark they left on the landscape forever changed mainstream rap they gave the blueprint for how the greatest mcs in existence could cross over into mainstream audiences that is key that is so key to keep your artistic integrity but hit the radio at the same time unbelievable the mm. way they did that and did he was actually pivotal in ending big's drug dealing career uh, i think he said to him you're not doing that anymore and he just stopped and uh i guess the rest is history biggie popped up on a couple of remixes real love by mary j blige that went number seven Went bar for bar with LL and Buster on the remix of Flavour in Your Ear, which went number nine. And you know, I I felt like it there was some divine intervention with Biggie. But then I remember that he's probably the greatest MC that's ever lived. And, you know, I always think, well, he's lucky to get on like that, you know, picked up an unsigned hype, except but I think it was always gonna happen for him. He he just he's just too good, you know.
0: Oh yeah, I think it's one of those things, and it's like, um, the cream always rises to the top, I guess, and all it required was just like, you know, it didn't even have to be, you know, I, I don't think it had to be someone as, you know, historically, you know, driven as uh, as Sean Combs, but, um, you know, that's obviously, a, <laughs> that was obviously as, he, as he said, like, you know, it's actually a perfect partnership in some way, because, you know, there was... I guess, a level of trust there, to, you know, say that, you know, ditch this, you know, I've just got fired, you know, I'm Diddy, right, I've just got fight. I've just got fired for whatever reason, right, come to come to my label that I've just began, and it's totally grassroots, and I'll make you a star, you know what I mean, it's just like, that's that's, that's stuff of dreams, <laughs> that's literally stuff of dreams, like, so, you know, that's a level of trust that you need to have, Um, but... Uh, and as a side note, poor Craig Mac, man. How are you doing a remix of his tune, and then you're just going to put Big in LL on there? It's just like that's just disgusting. That's horrible. Yeah, you, can get, <laughs> that's, you can get washed on that. You can get washed. That's a mis- That's that's a mistreatment if I've ever seen it. <laughs> R. P. Craig Mac. I think actually it was his birthday recently, so I uh, it was. I think it would have been his fiftieth. So uh, shout to Craig Mac. Yeah. R. P. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of it is it is very fascinating, and it's just um, I guess uh, you know. One of those, one of those things where you could just chalk it up to fate, I guess, and you know it could have easily not have happened, but uh, you know, just lucky, you know, coincidence or whatever you want to, whatever you want to label it as, um, it happened, and uh, you know, and and then the Rocky Shelf, I think, is actually quite fascinating. Before we get into the music, of course, um, just as a primer. It's interesting you say, uh, I forgot what you said specifically, but it was just like, you know, the fact that he was, he came out the gate in his prime, basically, you know what I mean? Like, just think about that, because I never really, I I never think of it like that. But now that I'm trying to, it makes so much more sense when people, you know, put Biggie at the pedestal that he has, because it's literally two albums. You know, it's two albums and obviously, a lot of posthumous projects that you know that you know we've talked about that before. Um, but literally, two albums in three years, and it's some of the greatest hip hop has to offer. And he just begun at that point professionally, I guess. That's crazy to think about. Mm. That's absolutely crazy to think about. So I don't know if you want to just jump into Ready or die, uh, Ready to Die, but that's just uh, yeah just think about it guys honestly
1: (laughs) i mean i'll jump into it but i'll I'll speak quickly on that because uh, an example would be nas like you know we never want to say yeah uh, imagine if an artist died but imagine if an artist died like nas dies after and and god you know touching wood everywhere like pause um you know we don't want any of that to ever happen but if we're just zooming out uh ilmatic it was written you know but then you think about Nas was rapping like way, way back, you know, like 91. Like he was popping up. Biggie just kind of, it was 93, you know, he just popped up on a few remixes and then bang, dropped the album and changed the game <laughs> forever, you know? Like <laughs> I think Nas is the only one you could ever really compare because you look at, say, 50 Cent, who came out of the gate with Get Richard Die Trying, he already had a full album recorded in 1999, Power of the Dollar, and he'd done a million mixtapes. Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jay Z reasonable doubt ninety six, but Hove have been rapping since eighty eight. I mean, he was in mm. on that Hawaiian Sophie joint. Like he was all over the place already. And um, you know, Tupac's debut album, Tupac Lips Now, wasn't the greatest project in the world. It's not it's not really, you know, considered as a, an undisputed classic. So I agree with you, I, I don't think there's anyone who, and, and Nas with Ilmatic, like, Nas wasn't popping up on fucking hot, top 10, Hot 100, that's the other thing that we gotta think about, like, Biggie was, like, comer, wildly commercially successful, young, like, super young, straight out of the gate, so that's, va- that's valid, and I think that segues into Ready to Die, because the album drops, it hits number 13 on the Billboard 200. It has big popper on it, which goes number six on the Hot 100 and is certified platinum. And as far as debut albums go, f- I mean, we could also say we could say Snoop. We could say Snoop. So Snoop, Snoop's in that, that category because I've, yeah. I've got Doggy Style written down here as well. So you know, as far as debut albums go, surely only Illmatic, Doggy Style, and maybe Get Rich or Die Try and compare. I'm not putting reasonable doubt in there because I think. Those three albums that I've just named were pivotal and influential. And Reasonable Doubt was a, was a classic album, but I don't think it was super influential, you know. Um, right. Ready to Die is just such a classic that to me it just defies belief, you know. Uh, obviously, it wasn't smooth sailing because he recorded part of it still under Uptown, and then Diddy left, so it was all in flux. Uh, and then he actually went off and sold drugs a little bit uh during that period when did he left uptown and he came back and that was when he was rapping without a pen or a pad just from memory just from memory and that's mm. true it's a true story it's people say it's like a myth it's a genuine thing man like it's just crazy <laughs> um critically acclaimed obviously had a 90 review average when it dropped there's not a bad song on here man not even a mediocre one he he opens with things done changed that's as deep as an intro as you could get in the early 90s and then give me the loot like i never knew that biggie was both voices i like years later i was like man who the fuck is this feature this is killing it who's this voice Bro, it's biggie biggie doing both voices that blew my fucking mind um <laughs> machine gun <laughs> funk title track Juicy, everyday struggle, big popper, unbelievable. These are more than iconic. Suicidal Thoughts is so deep. His technical ability was insane, man. He managed to sound menacing and commanding, but still agile and finding pockets. It was unbelievable. Like, 1994 was a time when hip hop, I felt, had finally, truly. Broken free of the relatively simple flows and rhyme schemes of the mid-80s. There was still some remnants. Like <clears throat> on the title track, he kind of drops some simple rhymes. He rips he, he um raps, make your shit splatter, mix the blood like batter, then my pockets get fatter. But you know, that's that's like three bars on a whole album. Like the rest of it is just straight heat. And <clears throat> this is a technique I want to talk about. I don't know if this is ever... like. I'm sure people have, have analyzed this before, but it really struck me re-listening to these albums. On Hypnotize, uh, he, he, it became really overt, but it really began heavily on Who Shot You, which was a bonus track off, this, uh, off Ready to Die. It was a B-side. And what he would do is he would spit a rhyme every time the beat hit. So if you listen to that song, each rhyme is punctuated by a hit from a drum and the beat. And the beats weren't like super sparse, but they weren't like really heavily adorned with extras, but it was like being jabbed in the face repeatedly over and over. It was just fire. The way he would just spit a rhyme every time the beat hit, it would rhyme. It would rhyme. It, it was, it was crazy. And uh, yeah, the album is influential. It's, uh, it's, it's classic. It's, it doesn't even, I said, I've said on previous podcasts, it sounds dated, but I got, I went back to it and listen. I don't think it sounds dated at all, man. like, <laughs> you know, the beats are of the time, but so much was of the time back then. Like, of course it's of the time. So it doesn't sound dated to me. I, I still love this album.
0: God, it seems you're walking back everything this week. Inside joke, inside joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's, uh, what, can I, what else can I possibly say about this, honestly? I think the thing about, uh, about I guess, Biggie overall, but especially into talking about Ready to Die... Is the fact that it has something for everyone, like, and and I guess you can you know you you can put that onto you know um, if you watch the Notorious bi- biopic, you know that's kind of uh, they they say that's you know Diddy's idea that to do Big Popper is like what what's this whack ass uh, sample? It's sample is just like no, trust me, trust me, it's gonna it's gonna explode, and then it explodes. But um, regardless of that, um. Bro, there's something for everyone. Like if you want that hard shit, you got that gimme the loop. You know what I mean? If you want that soft shit no, I don't even say I don't want to say soft shit, but you know, if you want that, you know, smooth, you know, just like you know, just just lean your head forward and back a little bit. You got that one more chance. Stuff like that. Uh you know, juicies for everyone. Uh big poppers for everyone. It's just it just it just works. It just, it just works from start to finish. Like is, and there's something for everyone, which is I I th- I really do think, you know uh, and yeah, I think I've probably had this, um I think most people paint themselves as, you know, uh oh, only on uh, that real shit, you know what I mean? I'm on that real shit. hundred percent, twenty four seven, you know what I mean? But um you yeah, know who doesn't like a who doesn't like a bit of uh, a bit of juicy or big puppy, you know what I mean? It's just You got, you got to have. Who doesn't like one more chance, bro, bro? One more chance. Let me talk about one more chance right quick. Not even that, not even that particular song, but even the remixes and stuff like that. It's just, it's just so great. It's so great. I love it. I I love that track, man. It's so great. Fuck it, Method Man's on here, bro. I just, totally forgot about that. I totally forgot that Method Man was on here on the what? Like, come, come on. And that's the only feature, like listed feature, anyway. And that's just crazy to me. Um yeah, man. It's just, it's just a, it's just a. Like you said, it's not another a classic. Honestly, like there's, something for everyone. Uh, everyone can get into it in some fashion. Um, but just as hip hop albums go, it just covers all the bases. It really does cover all the bases, and in a in a tasteful way, which you know you, you can't say for every for every album that tries to you know, toe toe the line. Um, just. Go look at I don't know, go look at Drake for instance. You know, it's like, okay, you want the you want you want to cater to all sides. Fine, sure, that's the goal. We see that, right? But some of them, some of it hits, some of it misses, and it's never it's never both. For me personally, anyway, I'm not talk about for me personally. It does it doesn't hit both. It's either like the pop side is cool, or the I don't know. We want to list the other one. Uh, is cool. But Biggie just does it effortlessly, and you know it's just it's just it's just how it's just how it is on that front. It's just uh, it's just effortless. It really is effortless.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, just to um, I didn't even mean to do that, but it is unbelievable. Um, I'll speak on the, the period between the two, uh, and we'll get into Tupac because we know it was the feud with Park that probably ended his life. It was after the release of Ready to Die that the two became friends, fatefully. And I'm sure most of you heard the story, but I'll relate it again for those who haven't. Uh, Little C's said that they were genuinely close. They would travel together, they would spit bars together, spend time at each other's houses. You know, Tupac was already hot when Biggie blew up. And you would think that off-rip they would have a rivalry, but honestly, it was anything but. And actually, Biggie uh, asked Tupac to be his manager... And kind of saw him as his, not better, but his uh, person who he went to for advice because Puck had already been in the game. You know, Puck had gone platinum, Puck had done all this stuff, and Biggie would ask him for advice regularly. And uh, it turned sour in 1994 when it was late '94, I think. And Supak turned up to Quad Studios where Biggie and Diddy were upstairs recording, and Puck was gonna go upstairs, and he was shot in the lobby five times. Uh, you know, Puck never forgave Biggie for that, and it's come out that it was Jimmy Henchman who set the whole thing up, but, you know, people think that Diddy set it up, like, it's just a mess, the whole situation is a mess, but a lot of people were critical of Tupac for being upset with Biggie, but I can kind of understand the whole situation where, if you're coming, if, if Biggie's inviting Tupac to his city to come and record at his studio, and he gets shot in the lobby of his studio, like, that's rough, man. That's that's challenging. That's a challenging thing to get past, and we know that Tupac did not get past that. And then the worst thing was, "Who Shot You" coming out uh, as a B side, and everyone says "Who Shot You" was recorded way before Park was even was was shot. But I felt like it was a, it was a misstep to put that song out and put on the bonus edition of Ready to Die, after what had happened to Park, because it just doesn't sound good the the timings don't match up very well you know and hit him up came out you know as a direct response to shotcha and <laughs> bro, i mean it, it just popped off from there it was crazy like after that and mm. i don't know if you want to say anything on that but <clears throat> that really that that was disappointing man that was that was a really sad situation
0: yeah i'll say two things about it um there is a uh, a podcast uh, called uh, Slow Burn, and uh, they recently did a season on uh, Tupac and Biggie, and uh, it's, it goes full in depth uh, by the people at Slate. So if you want to go peep that, go peep that It's just a recommendation. Um, and yeah, I, I <laughs> all of that reminds me. Uh, well, that the, the, who shot you bit, I guess. Uh, the whole that whole bit reminds me of. Uh, of like one word that is often used in uh, journalism circles, and that's the word optics. Mm. <laughs> that was not good optics. <laughs> why? Who? Sh- why is it called who shot you? I know it's called. It I know doesn't. he says it. For, I know it's first line, but still, <laughs> it's just doesn't, It it doesn't. It's just not good optics. You know what I mean? Like you're saying. You're saying oh, I didn't. I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. da 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 da. Right. And then you drop his so guy called Who Shot You. It's just, it's you know, if I was Tupac, I'd be pissed as well. You know, what I mean, I couldn't. You, what, what else would you think? You know, what I mean, it's just like that. That's clearly you're trying to slap me in the face. You know, what I mean, you're literally kicking me while I'm down in that fashion. So, uh, yeah, I know in the notorious film, um, which I watched. Uh, I mean, I've mentioned it twice because I, clearly I've seen it recently. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they kind of, uh, and I'm not saying this. You know, canon or anything, but you know, I just like to go off it. Um, you know, it's portrayed in a way, you know, that you know, people, oh, you can't play it, Biggie. You can't play it in, not you can't play it here. And uh, you know, he's like defying. He's like, who shot you? And everyone's booing and stuff like that. Yeah, that's as portrayed as like, you know, oh, it's it's, it's my art, you know, what I mean, and I I said I didn't do it, bro. Just it's just optics, man. Just don't just let the beef settle. You know, don't 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 play it. Just just for a minute. But you know, we've seen it with other people, um, where, you know, it just it can't get in front of good money. It's good radio play, whatever, whatever, whatever. If the song blows up, how can you stop it in, in that way, I guess? Um, but still it's just like, bro, optics <laughs> Optics <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to speak uh, on um.
1: I don't want to speak on intent, but, you know, it, it felt like a touch yeah. disrespectful, yeah. you know, just a touch disrespectful to do that. Well,
0: it's just perspective, isn't it? Like, I get both perspectives. I think we all can understand each other, uh, both perspectives on each camp. You know what I mean? If if Biggie says I didn't, I you know, the, if Biggie camp saying I didn't record it, um, that uh, I recorded it way before this happened, da 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 you know, I get it, right? And you're going to be defiant. You know, you know, you know the truth. You know your truth, I guess. Um But on Tupac's side, it's completely understandable. It's just like, bro, you, you, I just got shot in your stu- like basically a couple floors below you, and and now you're dropping this track, literally called "Who Shot Ya?" Question mark. It's just like, <laughs> ah, come on, <laughs> there has to be some leeway there, but obviously there wasn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck, man, it's all history now. But it j- just looking back at it, just makes me sad. Um I talk about, we'll move on to Life After Death, which is, you know, people forget about that title. People forget about the titles of biggest albums. Like, yeah, shit, that was man. clearly
0: a diddy call, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but I assume it was called that already. Like, I don't know that, mm. um, I mean, his first album was called Ready To Die. Uh, it's oh, not yeah, like, I guess. You know, it's not like yeah. it's out of pocket <laughs> to say, like. um yeah. touche. I'll, I'll speak a little bit on, uh, just to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, Junior Mafia so did, Biggie was, uh, worked hard on putting on Junior Mafia his protege group yeah. which are pretty yeah. much garbage I can't think of too many <laughs> redeeming qualities of Junior Mafia you know they did okay commercially just, but that's way just, more of a testament to Biggie than them just, um, just straight shooting like that Okay. I don't want to hear Junior Mafia on anything really to be honest like the, the posthumous Biggie albums which I'll speak on briefly but um, the, can, I, can I ask one question yes
0: Junior Mafia or The Firm
1: The Firm <laughs> okay <laughs> I mean you've got to look at it on paper The Firm they might have had some bad music or some not Brad but like <laughs> mid music but on, on paper they should work Junior Mafia let's
0: well, throw the Aftermath album as well as a, <laughs> yeah, as, a, rough, th- as, a as a triple
1: threat <laughs> it's rough rough <laughs> times rough times for collectives oh, back then dog uh, days dog days But yeah, Biggie Biggie won a bunch of awards in '95. Five Source Awards, two Billboard Awards. Uh, He won every category he was nominated in. He spent 18 months recording life after death. It was released 16 days after his death. And that was the original date it was scheduled to drop. It went number Mm. one, sold 690k first week. Certified diamond, uh, 87 review average. Broke a bunch of records. He was the second rapper to go number one. On the Billboard 200 posthumously after Park, first solo hip hop with hip hop album with two number one songs, um, tenth highest reviewed number one hip hop album in history. He's the only rapper with two posthumous number one singles. Now he drops a double album, not even a skippable bar, let alone a song. The thing that I always loved about this album is it is just a delight for hip hop fans from start to finish. Like. Biggie manages to harness this innate quality where he would make music that is totally watertight but also expansive and exciting. He goes from the haunting epic, Somebody's Gotta Die, into Commercial Touchpoint, Hypnotized. Then he goes from I Love the Dough into What's Beef. Like Those transitions are wild. From West Coast, Mm -hmm. I'm going back to Cali. Into the New York anthem, 10 Crack Commandments. You know, it's just crazy, but shouldn't really work, but they work so well together. And the storytelling, Mm. man, is on another level. Like, I got a story to tell. He's got to be one of the greatest endings. Like, he just, it's masterful. It's masterful. And that's hard to do, man. Like, we hear a lot of stories. Like, uh, what's that track on B um, where Common is getting set up by his woman in the courtroom, uh, testify? It's yeah. like you can tell with a great storyteller. Same with Meet the Parents by Jay Z, uh, a little bit, but it's not a, it's not quite on the same level as these. And you're you're really engaged in the story. Like shit, this is this is great. Like I'm, I'm wondering what the fuck's gonna happen. So Biggie's uh, with his, with he's sleeping with someone's girl in their house, and he, that that guy comes home. So Biggie's just like the whole time's like, oh I'm gonna have to shoot this guy. I'm gonna have to kill this guy. So she's like no no give me time give me time let's think let's think let's think. So, end up, Biggie ties her up and acts as if he's, like, robbing her. And then the guy comes in and then he threatens the guy. So, the guy gives him all his money. So, Biggie just leaves. He just had sex with this, this man's woman and then stolen all his money and then just left. Like, the, the, the ending to that was wild. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. So, I just thought that was fucking amazing. So many iconic songs on here, like, You're Nobody, Until Somebody Kills You, hypnotized, Kicking the Door... More money, more problems. Ugh, his flow on Notorious Thugs is insane. Um, a thing that I I found interesting, we spoke about Big Pun and Black Thought last week, and how Black Thought is a, definitely a rapper killer. You know, he he will mm. slay you on your own track. On Life After Death, I never once got the impression that Biggie really cared whether his guest outshined him or not, and I feel like it happened twice because I think Mace got him on. More money More Problems, definitely, Mace, Mace just fucking crazy on that, he just went off, I think he cleaned Biggie up, and then Hov got him on I Love the Dough, Hov sounded more, more hungry, more agile, deeper lyricism, but I don't think it detracted from the song or the album or Biggie as a lyricist at all, because they had to drop like 11 out of 10 verses, and you know, Biggie just got the best song in the end, and I, the whole album is just cluttered with great songs it's just i can't really praise it more it's just unbelievable
0: so we're just gonna miss out the fact that our oh, Kelly's on here okay
1: that's right. that right. was that was okay. that was okay. a struggle okay. no, no 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 that was okay. a struggle because i asked yesterday on twitter <laughs> if you can divorce and that was a struggle because i'd forgotten that he was on there until i was listening to it yesterday again and i was like oh damn <laughs> But I don't know what fuck you tonight, it? it's like, oh. yeah I don't really know what to think about that <laughs> shit like I don't listen to any R. Kelly Jay-Z collabs anymore like Guilty Until Proven Innocent is one of the worst songs ever created in hindsight <laughs> I don't know how you can um... it's it's a struggle <sighs> to listen to anything R. Kelly I yeah that was a struggle
0: yeah I mean so okay I just wanted to mention that because I was like is this dude just going to tiptoe all around that okay <laughs> um so, yeah, uh, yeah, I I whew, I have this conversation to myself every time I listen to these albums, because it's like, I listen to Ready or Die, because I, I always listen to like Ready or Die first, right? Um, or I just listen to it, you know, but I listen to this, and then I listen to that, and then I listen to the other one, and I listen to the other one. Um, I never listen to the same album twice without listening to the, the other one afterwards. Um and every time, I'm just like, damn, this album's great. This is his best album. And I listen to the other album, and I'm just like, damn. He slaps this one as well. <laughs> this one's good as well. <laughs> just, oh, I can't decide. Um, hard. Uh, but yeah, as, as, as the album itself, um, obviously, nobly more features uh, in this one. And I think, uh, noticeably longer. I mean, it's nearly is i mean i mean I'm looking at the remastered here in spotify and it's uh, nearly two hours um so I would hazard a guess oh uh, well i don't wanna it's not a guess, but I would hazard to say that it's a little too long for my blood uh but apart from that um i can't this is and apart from the arcade stuff mention. uh there's no fault here I think what this album gives me more than ready to die i will say is that i get more versatility i guess um especially since there are more features on here I, you know you go into go into it listening like you know um is he gonna is he gonna up his game or whatever but like you said he doesn't really cuz he's just constantly on 100 <laughs> like the quality game is always on 100 so it's not really it's not really a step up you know in in the fashion you know you know how you know, we listen to plenty of ice, right? And then, um, you know, you listen to something where they have a feature on it, and you know, you just notice that they're trying harder. Biggie doesn't have to do that, like, because the natural talent is so clear and so evident that it's just like, yeah, I just, I'm just gonna kill, I just, I just kill every track. That's just how it is. <laughs> that's just how it's gonna go. You know, it's, and, and I think that's the thing. You know, not to overrule it right now, not to end it all right now, uh, the episode basically. But, you know, that's something that we can't, that that not many artists have done throughout their careers. Now, you know, it does suffice to say that, you know, um, in this case, um, he had this incentive to be atop of his game. Um, considering of the you know what we just talked about in terms of the years between ready to die and life after death, you know there was a there must have been like an emotional incentive and, and everything incentive, you know money, whatever, whatever he cares about incentive. So you know that's worth something to think about but that's completely you know hypothetical. Um, we just get what we get and what I get from this is just biggie on a hundred every time. The storytelling, hundred, wordplay, hundred, delivery, hundred, everything's a hundred, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, it's just uh, little Kim on another uh, one twelve. This guy's the limit. Fucking DMC, bro! Shout out to DMC, man. I, I, I like the fact that DMC's on here. Just, just shout to a legend right there. Shout out to DMC, man. We need to do a run DMC one day. Uh, but yeah, that's just, that's just it's long it's a long album let's just get out of the way but past that it slaps of course
1: I don't even think it's like I love the length because I just I love it when you know you just really engaged in something you don't want it to end I almost don't want it to end when I first listened to it I was like it was so exciting to me to just discover every song you know and then in hindsight I guess you just grab your favorite songs and I think back then it was a little bit different to it than how it is now, you know, we see a, a double album now, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me, like, I've got to listen to this for two hours, but back then, you just put your CD in, on in the car, and then drive, and then you might listen to it over the course of three or four days, and then you just keep coming back to it, it would be like a, it, to me, it was like a book, you know, where you read a chapter a night, and then you come back to it, and then you read it again, and that's just how I felt about that, um, B, I agree with you. 100, 100, 100. Everything was maxed out. Uh, I'll speak very briefly on the posthumous Born Again and duets. I love Born Again. Um, you know, I can't be super mad at it. Uh, it's, I, it's, it's better than duets because I think, like, on this project, <laughs> the guest spots made a lot more sense. Like, they had Lil' Kim, Diddy, Junior Mafia, Math Red. Craig Mack, G Depp, Ice Cube. I felt like there were artists that Biggie would normally collab with. On Duets, I did not feel that way at all. I was like, why the fuck is Twister, Obi Trice, Freeway, The Game, Jim Jones, Jewels? They're not bad rappers. We, we said this on our posthumous podcast. They're not bad rappers. But like, it really felt like whoever had the biggest checkbook got their artist onto that album. And shady records and rockefeller opened the book up and they wrote a blank check and said get us on this album like there's a song with corn on there for fuck's sake when's biggie gonna do a song with corn it's like him doing a song with limp biscuit it's not gonna happen it's not how it works you know so i didn't really enjoy that part of it um I will say that Biggie is, I think, the only rapper to really clean Eminem up in the 98 to like 04 period where Eminem was just pretty much unstoppable. I can't think of a bad Eminem verse from that time. And on Dead Wrong, Biggie annihilates him. That's such an iconic song. The beat is iconic. Yeah, I felt like that was Biggie in total prime top form. And um, he cleaned him up on that. And uh, there's some good stuff on those albums. Like, if you've never listened to them, give them a spin, give them a try, see how you feel about it. Uh, Yeah, I thought they were were decent. They were listenable.
0: Bro, Bob Marley's on here.
1: (laughs) Bob Marley, is he?
0: Oh, Hold your head featuring Bob Marley and the Wailers.
1: What? Yeah, well, there you go. Mm,
0: Okay. Yeah, that's just just, a bit out of there. Um, So, we're not going to... So we're not going to talk about The King
1: and I then. I wrote this here. <laughs> I wrote. I'll write. I'll read you what I wrote down. No voice. I won't boy speak mission. on The King and I with Faith Evans because it's just garbage. It's much less disrespectful than duets, but the mismatch of Faith Evans singing about love and harmony, harmony, and Biggie singing about objectifying women and superficial uh. sex is just too much for me to bear. <laughs> <laughs> bro that album is tridash it's such trash it's unlistenable
0: <laughs> i only only asked that and i've Ben in because he's i think he said that exact sentence on wax before <laughs> i just wanted
1: to say it again <laughs> it's only the second time i've ever used tridash in my life and the first time i used it was the last time i spoke about that album trash uh, oh god unbelievable um, shout out to Nasty Girl though. Oh, that's a that's a bop.
0: That's a that's a classic bop. Um Yeah man, so uh, I guess we'll finish up on just like overalls and uh I mean like everyf- like it like you know, like his entire life I guess it was just, it's just it this feels short. This feels this feels incomplete. Uh like his career was. It's just um I feel like there's always Something else to say about him, um, but it it just it just feel it just it will always feel incomplete because you know harping back to what you said in the beginning, he he started off with these, like as careers go he started off with these he start he, he was two for two, like <laughs> yeah you know I mean that's just you know. Like we we really had that conversation in terms of just like who who else went two for two just straight away. You know what I mean? The, that's a that's a short list. It's a very short list. CMNR yeah, as many as many artists have that have had a dud either in the debut or in a second album. He went classic classic two for two and that's like you know, and that's there's a hundred percent success rate, however you want to look at it. Um it would have been interesting. I think to see how he would have gone into the two thousands, especially thinking about how Diddy and Jay Z went into the two thousands, and obviously the dawn of the bling era, which obviously Biggie had a hand in. Obviously, um, but it, I think it would have been interesting to see not just how um, how he uh, how his image changes over that time. Uh, but also just how his music changes, if at all. Does he lean more into R&B sounds? Does, uh, you know, even more so, and leave the more hip-hop elements behind? Um, does he maybe start to talk more uh, more about, you know, uh, I don't know, res- respecting women or whatever, to the point where, you know, The King and I would have been much, <laughs> much more high quality? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you know what I mean but that's the thing it's all hypothetical and uh, that's just how it is um and like I said it's just it wh- whenever you talk about biggie it, it's always just gonna feel incomplete because that's just what it is at its root his life, his career was just incomplete and uh, it's, it's, it's just like um it's like an historic season that you're watching somebody do. You know what I mean, and then, and then the season ends all of a sudden. It's uh, to quote sports, to use sports terminology, it's like that. It's just like, okay, you had a Hall of Fame like season, one of the greatest seasons ever, one of the greatest three-year stretches period, and then poof. So yeah, it's it's a, obviously a drab note, as uh, as you could have uh, guessed by the start of this episode, it was obviously going to end on a drab note. But you know, it just feels incomplete, and that's just how it is, I guess. But regardless of that, you know, and I'll, I'll try not to end on a bad note. We still talk about it to this day, and that goes for uh, and and you know that's that's better than what a lot of other artists that you know in their respective genres or respective eras or generations don't get. So you know, it's worth saying that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could never have predicted where Biggie would have gone after life after death. I think he would have been in great hands with Diddy, Uh, and I know that people might balk at that a little bit. Now, I know, I know. Well, I said it, and you balked at it immediately, so I was right. Now, look, look, I think uh, Biggie and Diddy were just made for each other. They were perfect together, and when Jay-Z went with Diddy, it didn't really work. Uh, When some other artists went with the shiny suits, it didn't really work. But I think that Notorious B.I.G. was already in that label system. He was already in that sound, and I think he was such a presence on the microphone and such a great MC that even if Diddy, I don't think Diddy ever would have done disrespectful things to his music and and try to make him like ultra pop. I think he understood. Yeah, not the, just every other artist. <laughs> Yeah, I think but I think Diddy understood the appeal of Biggie's uh particular brand of lyricism and you know we saw Jay-Z do it with Volume 1 and it was just disappointing and I think Diddy would have tested his tested the waters with other artists before he did it with Biggie let's put it that way but um it would have been super interesting to see how his career developed and and what he turned what he would turn into and how he would progress into the 2000s I mean we could only speculate and it's very hard to it was very hard to speculate like what direction he would have gone in like we don't really know how how could we really know I think with Park it's a bit easier because he had more music and he progressed more through his music I'm not saying Biggie was not progressive but you know we saw more recorded music from Park than we ever did from Big but as you say it's mm. a sad sad situation but it's good that he he gets the respect and and love that he 100% deserves so uh rest in peace Biggie and Thank you for the incredible music.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, getting on to lighter note, just uh, quickly, um, obviously we've had some recent uh, deaths of you know Lil Richards, uh, Ty, who's a UK rapper here in the uh, in the in the UK space, uh, UK hip hop space, and also Andre Harrell, who obviously uh, had uh, Uptown Records, aforementioned and obviously put people like Diddy on and Jodeci and. Uh, and Mary J. Blige, of course. So uh, you know, I repeat to those those three. And uh, it's just a uh, you know, just let's just pile on with more sad shit. <laughs> but uh, going on to the actual uh, Lion uh I gave Ben another challenge because uh, I'm just trying to keep that keep that because uh, I remember we did say uh, you know months ago now i think definitely into last year it was like uh you know you wanted to do more top fives and stuff like that and uh yeah. yeah yeah i'm just gonna try and i'm just gonna try and think up like you know challenges or top fives and just to just to keep just to actually do the light note <laughs> for once and actually keep it light all right so this week's challenge <clears throat> and you know you guys can play at home if you want and uh, hit us up with uh, what you think uh if you agree with us or you know or whatever. One feature on a song you'd replace with somebody else. It's very hard.
1: It's very hard. Oh, I got, I I've I've had one in I these. had one in mind. All right, go go.
0: Oh no no, you go first. You go first.
1: <laughs> I can't. I, I'm I'm literally, and I've been racking my brain because I'm so used to the songs having that feature that it's just like my brain is not yeah, throwing you, any. Have you not have you not listened to a
0: song it? where you're like that features shit? But uh, but if if that was like replaced with somebody else, I would listen to that song constantly. it uh, hasn't been that kind of song for you, where like the features completely ruined it for you. But the rest of the song's fire.
1: I can't. I mean, who the fuck would it be apart from R. Kelly? Like the Hove with the R. Kelly. i <laughs> get R. Kelly out of here and put like the Dream on there or something.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So the benefit the challenge. Um. Oh, this one's easy for me because I was listening to I listened to this song. And I forgot who the feature was And then I listened to it fully And I was like, oh god, so terrible And I was like, this would have been so much better with this person And I've actually just thought of another one Actually, as another feature But uh, I'll let you decide which Okay um, uh, ASAP Ferg's uh, New level oh, I can't do that f- I can't do that future feature I can't, it sucks. Level. it sucks I'm on it, I'm it on sucks. it, it sucks. Uh, no, I like that bit. I like it when he ad-libs on the chorus, you know, and, and the start where he goes, "ASAP." That's, that's clean. But the verse... A-sup. Can't do it. The first the the sucks. future verse sucks. It, 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 it sounds like future, I know, and that's why I can't do it. I can't deal with future. I've never been able to deal with future. Uh, I can't go past the voice. I can't go I can't go past. Just can't do it. I don't care what the lyrics say. I can't do it. I don't care if it slaps. I just can't do it. I never could. Um, Wait, so I'd replace him with, uh, well, initially, I thought Denzel Curry, because okay. he come in with that energy the same way that ASAP's coming with it, and having instead Denzel going ASAP at the start, with that grizzly voice when he goes, Ugh, you know, he, he does that, you know, you know, DMX-ish kind of thing that he does, maybe that would be fire. And you know that verse would be fire as well, talking about new levels. Bro, that's literally that's literally ultimate. <laughs> that's literally ultimate, but ASAP folk version. So that would just slide right in. <clears throat> but I, I I know that uh, Denzel wasn't about at that point. So instead I would uh, instead add another fire to the to the ring. Uh, Meek Mill. <clears throat>
1: ah.
0: Th- that would be an interesting feature in terms of that song because obviously it's loud. Meek Mill is loud. I think he'd do well on that. Um, so take your pick in terms of that, but uh, I'd personally go Denzel, but uh, I just thought of a more logical and more common sense, uh, feature just now. And Meek Bill is definitely that kind of person, um, especially from where he was at at that point. Yeah. I think i would definitely, that would have meshed so nicely.
1: That's nice. I've, I've, I've thought a little bit about future action. He does ruin a couple of songs. I felt like he ruined Kings dead. I just did oh the, the... God I don't know what thought, the fuck that was. What is he with that voice? I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I rinsed that and from my memory, to be honest. I got the keys. Shit. And what was that other joint that he was on? I got the keys and there was a top off. Top off to me. I got the top of the me back. I took a top of the me back. Ah, <laughs> took oh. a top of my me back. ah, took it oh. top of my me back. <laughs> no. You, so I'm gonna I'm gonna slide an artist in, pause. Um you just replace Future with either Travis Scott or Kid Cudi on any of those and you're good. I Travis, Travis Scott. Scott and I got
0: the keys would it be good, yeah, that would have been.
1: Travis Scott, yeah. Kid Cudi, done. But but uh yeah, future sometimes is just um which is surprising because he's not he's not less famous. he's not the most dynamic artist. Like if you get Meek Mill on a song, you might you might be a bit like, oh man, you know what? Another one is uh, what's free that Meek did with uh, Hove and Rick Ross. Get Rick Ross out of mm. there. Get Rick Ross off yep. that song. Get three oh, stacks the on there. Get oh, um, the God knows. Get J Cole on there. Even J Cole would would do well on that. I think. Get Kendrick on there. Maybe you can't get those those artists at the top. Get Joey on there, for fuck's sake. I mean, everyone's listening to All-American Badass. Like, he's super into uh, that that realm. So, I don't know what the fuck Meek was thinking getting Ross. I know he had to. Ross must have just made the call. He must have just made the, the label head call. Definitely. He's like, i will got to be on Definitely. this, man. And I don't think his verse is that bad. But, like, when you compare him to Meek's and uh, Jay-Z's, it's just like, Nah man, this is not it. This is not the, the especially opening the song with that. I was uh I was disappointed. Another one is um Really Doe. Yes. Yeah, starting surprising. to float, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so you gotta get into it. Um Absol on Really Doe with uh Danny Kendrick even Kendrick, I don't think either of them had great verses on that song. I felt like I was just killing time between ending Danny's verse and getting to Earl's Un- insane mm. like one of the best guest verses of last decade like bro his verse on that is just otherworldly and uh, I just didn't feel like Kendrick or um or uh, Absol really picked up on that I, I don't know I might have put J-Rock in there I feel like J-Rock doesn't miss I think he would have Um, I think he would have been better and maybe Q even like I just feel like they needed a different vibe between those two uh, there was another one I was just, that just popped into my head as well. Um, but yeah, those are the ones, some of those Khalid songs, like, uh, like Holy Key. Big Sean did not need to be Bro, on that's Holy so key. funny,
0: because c- I would say, d- put DJ Khaled off those tracks, and it'd actually be much <laughs> better, funny enough. but oh, that's no, I agree g-
1: with you. I agree with you, but I feel like, Bro, uh, if
0: Nas album done, just didn't have any Khalid on it, that'd be one of my favourite songs ever, honestly. It's a great song. Like, that- Nas, the Lauren, uh sample, and the backstory of that sample, so- uh, the backstory of that sample, getting getting that cleared is so great. Uh, and then just comes Khalid, we just going iconic, immeasurable. I don't know what the fuck he says anymore. Iconic, just iconic. Oh, give it a yeah, rest, nah. fam. Oh.
1: But uh, I, felt like um, the the other one I will throw up is a different, a different in a different realm. I don't think Jay Alec should have been on control because his verse is fucking <laughs> flames but it's like a, a way for people to clown him because everyone <laughs> forgot that he was on that song and that's a wasted verse because you can't uh... come after that verse. Like you can't even you can't even write a verse better than control. Because how can you? Like I don't understand what you can do, especially as Jay elect you just don't have the popularity or the cut through <laughs> You could write the most intricate mm. lyrical verse you've ever written and recorded with the best flow you've ever spat, and Kendrick is still going to steal the the spotlight. So, yeah, that was yeah. On the only other one that I. You're right. You do get on a bit of a flow. Got on a bit of a flow there. Picked up some. some yeah, look at you. Ones. Look at you. Yeah.
0: Go some. You go yeah. some. Decent. I mean, you didn't say who re- who'd replace uh, Kendrick and Absol with. You said J J Rock in it. Okay, fair enough.
1: J Rock and Q because I think both of them, even Q, like um. What was i listened oh, to the cubes. other day like uh ice cube gang like bang gang bang anyway with the game have you ever heard that song that's a fucking f- the documentary too and no. uh, uh rings a bell but
0: I'm, i don't remember oh,
1: it's fire and like <clears throat> even if they're not lyrically there they their tone and their cadence and their, their their voice is just menacing so yeah i reckon hmm. yeah throw them on there fair
0: play fair play all right that's um that was, was fun. That was, was good. So was good. That's, that's well. what Light and I should have been about. <laughs> should be about. But we'll, we'll see how it goes in the future. Uh, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of The
1: Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers.
0: We hope you all have a good week stay inside no matter what the british government tells you i swear if i see you outside in the beaches and all that shit i'm gonna actually slap you from two feet away i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'm gonna fucking do it trust me on that i'm gonna figure it out i'll figure it out and i'm coming for you but apart from that have a good week everybody <laughs> we shall always try to do the same but until the next time take it easy ladies gentlemen. all right peace Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for shows, pizza and video games by bonus points, Thanks to trail records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, Hip Hop 5 Numbers, Bonus Points, and Trailf records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been of Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip-Hop 5 Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us and we shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.